Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We are so glad you chose to take time to hang out with us. I am Nick Lindsay, and it's an honor to be the host. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. We're so excited that you've joined us. Here's how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have a guest with us who's also a Small Group's point person to share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, and our small groups. Today, we have our first reoccurring guest on the Reading Lens show, Andrew Camp. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks. Great to be be back with you, Nick. Yeah. Friend of the pod, I think is what we should, you know, go with. That's I like that better than reoccurring guest. Yeah. There since you go. You've been on group talk a lot. So uh, Andrew Camp is a spiritual director at Mountain Life Church in Park City, Utah. And Andrew and I have been friends for several years. And I actually think our friendship has really grown over quarantine. We, we've we really kind of connected. Uh, we have a little group chat going that's been, it's been yeah. awesome to be able to get updates going on. And um, it's one of the beautiful things about Small Group Network, finding your people and, and just being able to keep in touch and having a safe safety valve to vent to people who understand what you're going through so that you don't have to put that on your staff, which may deal with today's book a little bit exactly. here. Yeah, to help great, out. yes. <laughs> um, so this is now the fifth book that we've done together. And this is the first time we don't have Carolyn with us. So shout out to Carolyn. We miss you. Um, and she's not here to save us, but I think I think we'll, we can hopefully get by, right? I think so. I, yeah, it feels wrong not to have her. It does. It does. Um, and here's the previous four books. If you want to go back and listen to any of those, uh, you can find them here in our, our channel. But it's um, we did Daring Greatly by Brene Brown talking about vulnerability and shame, which is a really interesting topic, but super, super important when it comes to, to groups. The One of my favorites, Art of the Gathering by Priya Parker, which was fantastic. There's some really good things in there about how people connect and how your group leaders can can um, help people feel more welcomed. And um, even your reoccurring guests, how to make sure that they are a part of this process as well. Um, we did Free to Focus, which I know is a personal favorite of yours, right, Andrew? You, you're a big Michael Hyatt fan. Yeah, not at all, but it, he keeps coming back <laughs> in my life. So maybe God is trying to tell me something, but I'm yeah. going to pull off on that one. I may have been the one to push that one through. I'm yeah. a big uh, Michael Hyatt fan and really enjoy his habits on productivity, which that one is a fun one to go back to because we did that one literally March of 2020. And so it's funny to go hear about like our hopes and dreams of productivity that got then crushed like two, literally two weeks later. Um, And then one of the other ones we did was We Need to Talk by Cecily Headley, who is a NPR host. And she was just uh, sharing about how she's led good interviews. And we thought it was really good as to how group leaders might be able to um, better lead conversations inside there. And I don't know if you saw this, Andrew, she has a new book called Speaking of Race, Why Everyone Needs to Talk About Racism, which might also be a really good one to pick up as well. So yeah, no, I, I just saw um, that when you sent me some notes. And I'm like, Ooh, there's another book yeah. to add to my ever growing list. <laughs> yes. You know, what's good about her is because she's an NPR host, that means she's going to read the audiobook, And that's one of those just like, all right, I'm just going to listen to this because I know you are a speaker more than you are an author. And those have been, you know, some of the best audiobooks out there. Yeah. And I will say when we were reviewing this, We Need to Talk might be a great book that will come into focus as we're talking about challenging up in this uh, oh, yeah. in the book we're talking about today about how to have those difficult conversations with your senior leaders. So anyway, just a yeah. plug for that one. Great connection there. Great connection. So Andrew, you lead in Park City, Utah. What do you love about Park City? Um, it's not the skiing. Surprisingly, people will be ashamed and... <laughs> 
sad to know I've only been skiing once in my nine years of being in Park City. But um, yeah. my wife and I love the mountains. We just love being yeah. able to be out and um, enjoy nature. And um, we have a four and a two year old. And so getting them out and starting them hiking and just enjoying being outside. Like we're outside a lot, even in the winter, because it's it's so beautiful here. Yeah, and so. that is awesome. That's got to be great for the health too to just have that outlet and to be able to get out there. And that's awesome. Yeah, because even when it's like 32 degrees and sunny here, it's like I can be out in short or sweatshirt and jeans and go for a nice yeah. walk. Um, and especially during COVID, it was a it was a lifesaver. And what do you love about your church? Um, I think just the people. You know, I know that sounds cliche, but yeah. you know, it's it's the people we get to lead, the people we've developed relationships after being here for so many years and had the ability to influence, leaving my legacy here, knowing that I've I've made a difference. Your church, your Park City is uh, you have people who come in for seasons, right? Yeah, we have seasonal people. Yeah. <laughs> We have a little bit peaks in the winter, peaks in the summer. With it's, it's tough to say because we have some people okay. who who leave during the winter because you know they want to be warmer, so they'll go down to Phoenix, uh, you know, and then come yeah. back for the win for the summer. And then we have some people who are here for the winter because they love skiing and who will leave for the summer. Yeah, and so it's I. It, I have never yet to determine <laughs> peaks and valleys. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, that's interesting. So then how does that, that's, um, so now I'm curious, how does that then work out with groups? Do they like let you know when they're back or like? M- most of our groups are people who are here long-term. The struggle okay. I've yet to solve, um, I feel like there needs to be a small group network page for just resort town people um, <laughs> of how do you connect seasonal people? Um, yeah. You know, and I think COVID has helped a little with Zoom and the, you know, ubiquity of Zoom, but like it's becoming harder now because people are like, I'm done with Zoom. I want to, I don't want to do both. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that's the challenge of like, okay, it's those people, Hey, I'm here for three months. Help me get connected. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, yeah, uh, three months. Like I, what, what do you do with person? Yeah. With cool. that person? Well, let's use this podcast then. So if you are in a resort town, maybe you're in Florida or you're in some, I'm trying to think where, where the Arizona, I think another one. Yeah. Uh, you can email me, Nick at smallgroupnetwork.com and I'll help you connect you to Andrew. That might be a nice little, little huddle that could go of just, Hey, we have this in common here the things that work and here's the challenges we have here's Absolutely. what we've tried that's that's one of the nice things about small group network is is finding your people and um it's there's some nice niches that get in there so it's interesting i have a little niche as well with um i connect often with uh kirsten telzero who is in dc so we're both doing um city environments and dealing with transition a lot and so it's been nice to kind of have somebody else to bounce ideas off of and things like that so today we're here to talk about the book how to lead when you're not in charge by clay scroggins andrew what drew you to to today book how to lead when you're not in charge i think it's just that idea that you know as a small group point person we are tasked with getting the masses connected which influences not only sunday morning it influences youth it influences kids and yet we are not we don't have the quote-unquote authority church-wide to do everything and so how do we lead and change and have influence in that aspect when we're tasked with a with something that is so big that we can't remain siloed this is one of those books that like i feel like as soon as you pick this up and you read it you instantly go Oh, I really wish I had this like so many years ago, right? Yeah. Like, did you get that feeling at all when you read it? Just being like, well, this would have been helpful in the past. <laughs> yeah, I read it because I just celebrated five years of being on staff. And so like, I was like, I wish I'd read this book five years ago. Where was this book when I needed it? <laughs> Nobody told me about this book. So if you're just starting out um, and you're looking for that book, please pick this book up and read it. I think you will, it will spare you the messy mess that I'm sure Nick and I have both felt um, oh, yes. doing things badly instead of, you know, with more grace. Yeah. And humility. Yeah, I felt like going through this book, there's a lot of the principles in it that I went, 
Yep. Learned that one the hard way. Yeah. Like stepped in that as well. So, yep. all right, Angie, when we say, uh, you know, not being in charge, what do we mean by that? Clearly we're in charge of some things, right? Yeah. And so I think Clay draws that great distinction and even Andy pointed out in the, the foreword of just the fact that we usually equate leadership with having that final authority, you know, being the CEO or the senior pastor, or the corner mm-hmm. office, however you want to look at it. But really leadership is really using our influence to influence others, to challenge the status quo, to make this, the changes that need to be made. And so how do we do that when we're not that top guy, you yeah. know? And so I think that's just reframing the leadership question because it feels like a lot of the leadership books sometimes focus too much on that senior leadership. And so how do we use our, in, how do we understand leadership and influence when you're middle manager, which, you know, it feels yeah. sometimes a lot of small group point people are. Yep. And it's interesting because some of you may work in like a campus kind of environment because it's interesting, you know, when I was reading through this, like Clay's talking about not being in charge, but yet he's a campus pastor. And I was thinking through like, there's so many people who's like, clearly you're in charge like you're a campus pastor like i report to a campus pastor like that kind of context and but then you then you recognize like clay scroggins works for north point and his lead pastor is andy stanley so you know it, you can clearly see the the challenge of of not being in charge and having someone who is clearly going to be you know making the decisions um, um for the church but i always i thought there were some really good examples in this book too of like we wanted to experiment with these things on our campus and we were shut down because of the the context of the whole and like it, it not being ready for the entire environment. And I thought that was that that might be really relatable to, to those who are in, you know, the multi-site kind of context as well. So um, Angie, what are some of the things that frustrate you about not being in charge? I think it's not having being able to make small groups the primary focus of everything we do. <laughs> you know, it's like we have a vision yeah. for what we think small groups should be in the church. Um, and, you know, and if my senior pastor only listened to me, which, you know, I have all the details, I have the whole picture, which I don't, which Clay reminded me of in this book, you know, things would be a lot easier. You know, so I think it's that aspect of like feeling that that frustration, that uh, pull that if only I had more authority, I could actually do more, um, mm-hmm. which he he just debunks in great with great grace and humility. Yeah, I would say for me, it's it, what frustrates me about not being in charge is I I have this control idol. Like I know it's there. Like I want to be in control. And as soon as that gets removed, like that really frustrates me. But I think part of the control thing too, it's also this similar to claustrophobia and that like I'm constantly like looking for my exits. And so I think part of the other things of like being right. in control is like, okay, well, if I don't like how it's going, then I can direct it somewhere else. And when you're being told what to do, it's it's just it's it's much more challenging for me. So one of the things that's like hardest for me anytime the anytime I'm voluntold to do something, that's like man, my heart has sometimes the hardest time doing those tasks. Just being like, I didn't select to do this. Like I didn't want to. I don't want to be up on this stage peeling off tape, like those kind of things. So right. That was a, yeah. a a hurt from a long time ago. That those on my staff will will probably be laughing at hearing that one. But uh, you know, so, so you alluded to this a little bit about, you know, so he starts this book talking about the myth of authority and leadership and how they go hand in hand. Um, have you come across that? Like, was there a moment in your, I realize you've been in for five years, but has there been a, a, a moment that you've noticed that that myth not being true? Yeah, I think it's when I realized that my senior pastor started using the tagline for our small groups, we call them life groups, um, where he started using it almost without thinking. Um, where, you know, we say at Mountain Life Church, life groups are the foundational element of spiritual growth, caregiving and kingdom impact. Very similar to mm-hmm. probably a lot of your churches out there. 
And so when he started saying that without really thinking about it, I realized I had influenced something in him to realize the importance of small groups. Um, and so you're just like, okay, like it's working. It's a lot slower than I had hoped, but maybe he's catching on or when he's using small group illustrations and sermons more and talking about his small group or the men's group he leads. Like you're like, okay, is something clicking that we can continue to capitalize on? Yeah, cool. Okay, so as you're reading this book, you know, this book's a, a super easy read. Highly encourage you to pick this up. I was sharing with Andrew beforehand. I really think this is a great book for someone just out of college. So rather than picking up uh, all the places you'll go, give them this book instead. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really good one when you're when you're getting started. But um, he also just follows kind of like a simple outline. So as you're reading through it, you can just sort of sort of tell what's going on. But you know, really one of the things he does is he talks about four behaviors that'll that'll help you to lead when you're not in charge. And those four behaviors are lead yourself, choose positivity, think critically, and reject passivity. So we're going to we're going to spend a little time in each of those as we go through today and then we're going to wrap up with talking about how we can challenge up inside of our environments, which is, you know, how this book wraps up as well. Um, he spends the first part of this book, like Andrew was talking about, talking about that relationship between leadership and authority, um, and then spends the rest of it kind of giving you, this book gives you a lot of practical how-tos, which is really impressive on a on a book like this. Usually, usually on a book like this, you're going to get a lot of like theory and thoughts and stuff, but he really makes it kind of practical. So let's start with lead yourself. Why is it important to lead yourself first? There's that old saying, you, you can only lead somebody as far as you've gone yourself. And so as we think about what it means to lead others and lead and influence others, if we're not taking the time to grow spiritually, grow relationally, grow um, intellectually, you know, the total package, we're not going to be able to influence others to a greater uh, degree. And so really, we got to take ownership of who we are. We're adults. We're grown men and women. <laughs> like you're responsible for who you become. Obviously, the spirit plays a role in that, you know, but are you setting yourself up um, to be worked upon by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I think this is so important. It's something that like I have really taken to heart. It's interesting. I was never really a huge student in school. Like mm -hmm. I was always like I wanted to be doing. I wanted to like I learned more hands on those kind of things. And when I got out of college is like when I became a reader. And I wonder how much of that comes back to that control idol I was talking about. Yeah. Right. All right. Now I'm in control of the syllabus. I can choose how I'm going to grow. And I think that's a big part of this. Right. So it's just like, OK, I'm looking to become this level. What are, the, what are the things I need to know? What are the things that I need to learn? And then I just love to like, I think this is why this podcast is great for me. I love learning from all sorts of different resources and seeing because I, you know, I just really believe that all truth is God's truth. And so it's been it's been great getting to pull from different things and, and think about how those things have evolved. But um, yeah, I think leading yourself like you talked about leading yourself is so important, because if you haven't been there, then to, how are you expecting to lead others where you haven't been before? Yes. So. And I think in sometimes, you know, when we start off in ministry, we have this um, fantasy that our, our senior leaders will really shepherd and mentor and guide mm -hmm. us. Um, and sometimes that does happen, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, and so how to, which he talks about reject passivity. How do you make sure you take ownership of who you are in all leadership capacities and um, spiritual capacities? And so I think that's, that's that delicate balance of like, we, we want, we want to be mentored, we want to be pastored as well, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And so how do we make sure we, we don't settle and become complacent or uh, bitter, uh, but rather continue to lean into those new growth areas. Yeah. Yeah. And I think leading yourself also then causes for a lot of self-reflection mm -hmm. as well. And I think a lot of this book too talks about like kind of understanding your own flaws and kind of working on those problems and, and, and things like that. And, you know, this is a quote from the book. It says, how we see ourselves affects our 
ability to follow others, our ability to lead others, our ability to find the future God has for us. And until you know who you are, you can't do what God has called you to do. He shapes and molds our character by speaking into our lives uh, and our identities. He has done that with me, and I believe he wants to do the same for you. So, you know, just really talking about how this is where this is where God's going to do a lot of the work is when you're you're working on leading yourself and giving God the opportunity to be a part of that, I think, is a huge part of, of leading yourself. Mm-hmm. So. And that's what he talks about in sort of those three principles for self-leadership. The second one was sort of monitoring your heart and behavior, especially those dark corners, um, yeah. you know, because when you're learning to lead up or to have influence without having the quote unquote authority, it's it's those dark corners that can quickly, that you know, I think Satan will use to drive a wedge between you and your senior leadership. And so how do you really allow God to do that work in your identity in those quiet times and those spaces of self-reflection um, where, you know, you can really begin to see who you are and who you're becoming? Yeah. And one of the other things he talks about, too, and the other principles there is, is make a plan. So just knowing where you currently are, having a vision of where you want to go and develop discipline and accountability to do what it takes to stay on track. I This has been super beneficial for us. I love like our church gives us space. We are, we're kind of required to do our own life plans at, mm. at Hoboken Grace. And at, when you when you get that assignment at first, you're like, oh, come on, like this, <laughs> like this on top of everything else. But uh, they've they've given us a day away every year to go work on those. Hmm. And that has just been super beneficial to think through like, OK, what are the things that like, where am I currently? And then where do I want to go? Like the book I recommend if you're looking for a good one on life plan is Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavi. But I think you bring up a great point of that make a plan, you know, especially as we're coming out of a year of real up. <laughs> upheaval and disorientation, I think we all need that space to really discern and refocus or uh, reconnect with God. And, you know, my wife, Claire, has encouraged me to get away for a 48-hour retreat, and I just need to put it on the calendar and yeah. go. But I, I think all of us as leaders during, in the church in the past year, we need that space during, especially right now, to really <clears throat> rethink uh, and, and reflect on what this past year has meant to us. And so I think as you seek to lead yourself, think about that. You know, I know it's not always easy. It may not be possible. But, you know, you need that yeah. space away. Yeah. The things that I've always found, too, it's interesting. You said your your wife gave you permission. Like they I feel like for me personally, like my wife wants to see me go do these things, too, right. because they know I'm going to it's going to end up being better for the whole household. Because like if if I have a clear plan, I know how I'm going to like leading my family is going to be a part of that. And right. so like if anything, as a leader, stop improving and start, you know, having a plan uh, for, for what you'd like to do. So. Yeah. Hey, small group network family, Jason Banzoff here, group talk producer, and I am interrupting this episode of Reading Lens to let you know about some great channels we have for social media. The small group network is all over your favorite social media channels. Do you prefer Instagram over Facebook or maybe even Twitter over Instagram? We have so many options for you. Also on Facebook, we have a group with over 5,000 people like yourself who want to learn from one another. Hop onto your favorite channel, type in small group network and subscribe, like, follow or join today. Now back to Reading Lens with Nick and Andrew. Well, let's move into Choose Positivity. What would you say is one of the things that jumped out to you for Choose Positivity? He talked about having the panoptic view, seeing the bigger picture. And sometimes as middle management or you know, not the senior leadership, we don't have the full view. And it's easy to start thinking, I have the full picture. And so if you know, why doesn't my uh, senior pastor, or my bosses see it this way as well? And so seeing that we may not have the full picture and understand how everything is fitting together um, can be really helpful because it, again, it's that those dark recesses of the heart. So yeah, 
that was that was the bigger one. I think for me, it's it, this one's super helpful because what's interesting is he talks about um, he sets he sets everyone up at the beginning. He's like he asks them blatantly, like, what is the opposite of positivity? And naturally, everyone thinks negativity. And he actually talks about how he doesn't think it's actually negativity. He thinks it's being a realist. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of us, this I think this really speaks to to me. If you if you get to know, if you get to know me often, you'll you'll definitely get to hear my opinions. But um, you know, I feel like I can I can be critical and this is something we're going to cover a little bit later but he's really challenging us to have kind of that positive attitude and look for the best in situations i think it's really easy for us especially after we've been in you know these church environments for a long time for that to continue to grow and i think one of the things that may be not helpful as well is how much exposure we have to other churches right now yeah um and i think sometimes we look at that and we hear the best of what's going on i can even admit like i'm probably part of the problem here on this podcast like i try to be honest with you guys as much as possible, but obviously you're going to hear some of the best things that are working here at Hoboken Grace and at Mountain Life Church. But you know, we're it just that grass is always greener kind of thing can cause us to be like, well, if I just had this resource like that church has, or if I just had this, and it's mm-hmm. just like, like no, like learning to be you know satisfied with with what you have, I think it is super important um, and, inside and that. So. Piggybacking off of that, Nick, he has a great quote, but he says, "Don't let the frustration you feel over what you don't have keep you from doing what you can do." Uh, and I think that's just a great quote to think through of like, okay, it is easy to compare. Um, we love the small group network, but you know, um, again, like you said, you can be, you can hear about what's mm-hmm. working and you realize, oh, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have that. I don't have that. Um, but you can do something. And so what is that, that thing you can do? Yeah. Uh, and, and later on that says seeing what you, what you do will allow you to overcome what you don't like. And I think that's one of the things too, is like, okay, well, so what is in my control? What can I do? And I think that's a, that's a great place to start. And um, I think one of the really encouraging things at the end of this chapter two quote here, it says, if you're creating something great, your time will come. And if your time hasn't come yet, keep working to create something great. Mm. I think that's just a, I've seen that be true as well, where it's just like you have a good idea and being able to continue to work on it. He gives some really good examples in there too, of them thinking through some strategies that, that, you know, they observed another church doing something. It was even their partner churches they observed was doing something and they really wanted to bring it into their own church. And, you know, they had tried several different methods before they ended up stumbling on the one that works for them. And and part of that was kind of polishing off what is the why of what they're doing with that. But at the same time, like not allowing, you know, what they hope for get in the way of what they're currently doing um, was really good. Yeah, cool. All right. So let's move on to the next one, thinking critically. Uh, Inside thinking critically, he has four subtle shifts that he asks us to make that'll help us to think critically in a better light. Um, And these four uh, subtle shifts is stop thinking as an employee and start thinking like an owner. So in other words, you know, you are currently an employee. What would it look like if you look at the situation as an owner, as someone who, who owns this, stop stacking meetings and start scheduling meetings, um, stop being critical and start thinking critically and stop giving a grade and start lending a hand. Andrew, was there one that jumped out to you when you came through this section? Um, I think thinking like an owner can really help. Like I even noticed it after I read this book of like, you know, how often do we see a piece of trash on church property and we just walk right yeah. past it versus picking it up or, you know, I think right after this, you know, daylight saving time ended. So just walking around the church, making sure all the clocks are changed. Like, you know, it, it's stupid little things like that, but it's also that thing of like, okay, like, what do I notice? What do I see? You know? Uh, and I think that can just be a helpful attitude to have during this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to, to fall into that trap of, well, someone else has to own that. And if I keep doing it, then they're not gonna, they're not gonna own it kind of thing. And I think that's, that's, I think that they'll, I think what you model will be a better reflection than, you know, you being like, Hey, this is not a great 
great first impression for them to see trash as soon as they come in kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think that was really good. One other thing I'll add to that on start thinking like an owner. Um, I think it was new spring church was the first one I heard of this, but they don't refer to their members as members. They refer to them as owners because they want every, what is it? Own members have rights, but owners have responsibility. And I just love that. Like that short little phrase, members have rights, owners have responsibility. I think that's even good one for your small group leaders to bring into their own groups. Like, I don't want you guys to just be members of this group. I want you guys to be owners. I want you guys to, to make it look and feel how you want your group to, to look like. Um, I think it's really important for, for them in a small group context of how this can go a little bit further because I think they also bring more creative ideas. Like I, you know, I've lived in apartments all my life and therefore I can never hang things permanently on walls. And so as silly as it sounds, one of the things I can't wait for until I can be an owner is to put holes in walls <laughs> and hang things to studs. <laughs> but, um, you know, what does that look like inside your groups? What are the, what are the things where you could make a permanent impact, um, in, inside of that? So I think that's a, a great way to, 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 do, to look through that. He goes into this a little bit deeper when it gets into challenging up, but the stop being critical and start thinking critically is really important because I can really fall into that cynical, cynical side, but I also have the ability if I put in my energy into it to be that problem solver and to, to not just come with a problem, but to come with a solution is really important. And I love the way he puts this at the end of, of that thing where he says, when I point out something wrong with what you're doing, because I think I see it a better way for you, I'm thinking critically to serve you and sort of thinking it from that. So it's really interesting since I've read this book and I've had to give feedback, I've really kind of adapted and changed how I've been communicating those things to be like, listen, I'm on your side. Like, here's something I think that would that would really help you as you, inside your area. So yeah, and I think what you're talking about, I think, I don't know if he mentions it, but it was a note I wrote down is what is your motive in saying yeah. what you say? You know, why are you saying it versus just saying it, you know, and it's that, okay, how can I phrase what I'm going to say so that they it communicates that I'm on your side, I want you to succeed um, versus just bashing something. Yeah, yeah it know. says here, you know, every time I'm talking about critical thinking, with leaders, I ask this question, what is the key difference between someone who's critical and someone who's a critical thinker? After a few moments, someone shouts out my favorite answer, motive, which is... Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next section. The next section is reject passivity. And I think this one, man, this one has been really personal to me. This is the one where I think that I think COVID has wiped out a bunch of my energy, which has then resulted in really kind of being passive inside my role of like, well, I could pick up more, but you know what? Like, I'm just going to do what I'm expected to do. And I'll just, you know, stay here and stay neutral and, and try to survive. And that may be one strategy, but I feel like that's not a strategy that's going to help me move up or, you know, grow me as an individual. But um, Andrew, how, how easy, easy is it for you to drift into passivity? Are there certain situations that cause you, that cause passivity in you? Oh, it's too easy. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID, like you said, Nick, like that's a great point um, of how much COVID has allowed passivity to get into my soul, especially when it comes to small groups, because like you said, you know, more responsibilities may have come your way during the season, which is definitely my case. And so it's too easy to just say, well, I have to do this. I have to do this. You know, we're not really interested in small groups and uh, I'm all alone in my small group ministry. Therefore, nobody cares, you know, and so you just begin to believe the lies that are like, I begin to believe the lies of, you know, well, I, there's nothing for me to do. So therefore, I'm not going to do anything, um, you know, which is which is just a bad place to be. It's like yeah. this book just points out again and again, if nothing else, like watch your soul. Yeah. Like when you're not in, a, in charge, your soul is at great risk, you know, and there are great risks when you are in senior leadership. But 
but like that passivity and just not caring quickly then snowballs into to more dangerous attitudes if we're not careful, if I'm not careful. And so I think that's that. Yeah, it, it's so convicting. Yeah. <laughs> like if we take time to really yeah, think that about it. That was so good. Uh, that, you know, if you're listening to this and you have the ability, I would tell you to rewind to make sure you just caught what he shared. I, I think that's so important. I think one other thing I would add on there too is what you made me think of too is how passivity also causes us to then lower our standards. I think as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, well, I see that group is kind of sliding, but you know what? Like, I, I don't have the energy. Like, they're fine. You know, we'll let that go. And I, I think yeah. that just, you just end up in bigger messes by, you know, being in that passivity. So he does give us a few ways out of that passivity. So he gives us a little anagram that kind of helps us reject passivity here and it's CPR. So it's choosing, planning, and responding. So for choosing, What he's suggesting here is don't just wait for someone to give you marching orders. Go ahead and pick up a problem and make it great. Even if your solution isn't perfect, you've done something in the area where where nothing was being done and you've taken a step to reject passivity in yourself. I think that one's a phenomenal one. He gives another example in there of um, really going after those problems that have been sitting on the shelf for a while is another good one to to kind of pick up in in kind of down periods. He also, what I love too is the story he told of like, if your church has interns or if you've ever been an intern, there's always that closet you were told to clean when you first start you know kids ministry has that closet youth ministry has that closet you know we have a closet i don't you know i got to figure out what the closet is but there's always a closet to clean and sometimes it's just that small little Uh thing whether it's organizing curriculum or you know uh, cleaning up some database issues like it is such minuscule work but it gets you off off your butt like you know to put it a little crudely. Yep. Um, and so I think I, I love that story of what is the closet yeah. that you I need love to- that butt is crudely. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't know our audience, you know, I got to respect it. I was a former <laughs> chef. So therefore my, my vocabulary yeah. tolerance is, is yeah. sometimes not um, always. Kosher. My vocabulary is not great because I worked too long on Wall Street and it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's not good. It took me several years to un- unwind some of that, but having children speeds up that process. when they start repeating so cool i think one of the things just a personal example inside choosing of this recently just to give you kind of an example here you know my we have staff meetings on uh mondays and uh, or all staff uh on mondays and we have a different rotation and stuff and one of ours once a month is is a book that we all read together and um you know, our lead pastor was doing all of those all staffs for us. And he um, got to a point where just like, it just kept falling off, right? So we come up and be like, oh, like we're going to push this month book to another month or we're reading the whole thing kind of things. But, you know, he had the list of books already done and just taking that off his plate, like finding things to take off of your right. senior's plate or whoever's, you know, above you is, is a really good thing to, to kind of look for. Um, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. So for me, it was like, I really enjoyed the conversations that we were having about these books. And um, I'll admit, like sometimes there's some months where I feel like, man, I've bitten off more than I can chew, especially with this podcast, right? So that means I'm leading like two books a month, like trying to go through it. But like my skill set lines up for that. Like I already am reading, right? And then I have gotten really good at writing questions because of being doing the discussion questions every single Sunday, right? So it makes it really simple to come out of those books and be like, all right, here's the things we get to talk about. And so I think that's one of the things where like, think of those things of all right, what what could you take off someone else's plate? What are the things that, that would really help them um, in the challenging too? He talks about, you know, picking the things that they're passionate about as well. So, yeah. so choosing a CP is planning. So don't just sit on a problem, but have a plan for it and doing so uh, you're exerting influence. I think that was a really good one. 
that was one I definitely learned the hard way several years ago because I'm really good at identifying problems. Like, like yeah. it's I can't remember what it is. It's 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 the reason I'm also not allowed to be in brainstorming sessions anymore. So way <laughs> so they have like series planning meetings, and I used to be a part of them, and I'd just be like, no, that idea won't work because X, Y, and Z, and it's just like. Like, this is not helpful in brainstorming. <laughs> like, we've got to right. have the, the freedom to be able to to dream and to to do these things. So, like, that's – so, I'm now brought in afterwards and it's like, okay, we need to make this happen. Like, what are the problems you foresee? Like, kind of thing. So, See, my 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 problem yeah. happens on the earlier in Nick of, like, I, I like to ask the questions, the wonder. You know, oh, like, okay. hey, what about this? Um, but I, I have harder time coming up with a solution okay. sometimes. You know, like, my I, I begin to just think and I want to yeah. – process with others about that. But and so that's where I found his his thing tricky where you know never present your boss with just with only a problem but also with a solution. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I see something. And so that's where it's that delicate balance. Like I see something that's not working. What are the possibilities? And yet that doesn't always work, which we'll talk about with challenging up. But so I don't know. There was that tricky balance of like, okay, how do we allow the wonder to happen where there may not be a clear solution yet because it's too complex yeah. of an issue? Um, so I don't know. It, that, there's that tricky that delicate yeah. line that I think that's we have to wrestle with. That's interesting where like you definitely, you need a team that you're working with, right? You probably yeah. have it on your staff because you probably have someone on your staff or someone in your church who like is able to help you. Like, so that's where I would say like my strengths in strategy and, and planning and like, you know, our friend Tommy is the same way, right? He's this dreamer, but he also like figures out the way to make these elaborate plans. And yeah, so, but, but to your point, like then I'm, my weaknesses is like not asking those big questions, you know, and thinking, thinking through those things. So very, very interesting. So uh, let's keep going. So R is responding. So just don't just pick a project you want to tackle, respond to what your boss cares about. So yeah, I, that's what I just talked about in choosing. Um, yeah. I realized I, I uh, picked that up a little too soon. And then uh, let's wrap this up with challenging up. So what did you learn in our challenging up section? I, I think there's two big things that really uh, maybe, you know, like we're, we're, key learning points is he asked the question, do you love your boss? So do I love mm-hmm. my boss? Um, and do I think the best of him when I'm challenging up? Um, and that question is like, you know, of you know, it's like you could easily say, of course, but then you, you got to dig deeper in those deep recesses. But do I love my boss? Um, and then realizing that then when I challenge up, uh, my senior pastor has been here tw- 25 plus years. He's the only senior pastor our church has had, which is a testimony to his faithfulness. But he has put so much of himself in the church so that when I challenge or when I seek to change things, he, it can sometimes come across as an indictment of him. Uh, and so how do I do that? How do I challenge up without raising defensiveness was that key question that I'm still wrestling with because I'm not good at it because I'll come out and say something bluntly like, well, you know, 50s and 60 year olds, I don't care about. We need to worry about the 40s and, you know, the, the young families. And he hears that and, you know, raises defenses, which then raises defenses in me, which only doesn't actually lead to a productive conversation. And so how do I do the hard work of seeing what I need to see and being able to challenge it without challenging him, mm-hmm. which is a, that's a weird balance. I don't think there's an easy yeah. way to yeah, do there's it. There's a quote here when you were talking about loving, loving your boss. It says, you can't lead someone well if you don't love them. Loving someone and leading them are a package deal. It's just so good. He had another thing in here too. Loving your boss means genuinely wanting what's best for them. And if you're trying to do what's in their and trying to do what's in their best interest, which I think is, you know, challenging, right? Because sometimes you're like, oh man, like he, he makes my life difficult. But like, I think sometimes we underestimate the kind of pressures that they can, they can be under and 
you know, we were sharing beforehand, I think, um, I feel like they only share like one eighth of the emails that they probably get <laughs> of just the, the, yeah, you know, we have to remember how many people are being critical to them. Like, because it almost goes back to that ownership mindset, right? There's a lot of people inside the church who act like they own the church, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> yes. they're going to, they're going to let the senior pastor know the changes that need to be made. So, mm-hmm. um, I know for me, what stood out too, what was really good. And I, I learned this say like a year or two ago, I was really bad about this in the past, but it's bringing up disagreements and challenging during a low emotional times. So in other words, like being really particular when you address issues and just really learning to have patience. I think, you know, someone, I'm naturally someone who just re- can really boil up and get like frustrated really quickly and trying to put as much space into that so where I can like come back off my like emotional mountain <laughs> and <laughs> and trying to find those things. So it's interesting, like, you know, we're recording this the week after Easter, right? And, you know, this would be a really bad time to bring up, all right, hey, here's the changes that we could have made on Easter, or those kind of things. Like, you know, it was just really high emotional, you know, doing several services and very tired and add in, you know, everything that goes with COVID right now. It's like probably a bad time to bring this up. But if I wait a week or two and, you know, I, I think we're going to have better conversations and and I think they're going to be able to hear it better, I think is a big part too. But then you also need that. And, and this is where I, I'm, I'm going to plug the small group network huddles mm. is you need that space where you can still vent, you know, with other people, with other friends um, and colleagues of like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Like, yeah. help me help me come off the ledge, you yeah. know, like, and so we need brothers and sisters in Christ that will, that can, can hold us in that space of emotion too, where you're, you, yeah. you know, so, cause I know if I try to deal with my emotions by myself, it's not good, but if I can have a space where I can talk to somebody, yeah. um, I can, I can build that separation a little quicker. Yeah. And maybe. I would say too, maybe you're hearing that and you're like, well, I, I don't want to be a part of a huddle because I don't want to have to hear <laughs> other people venting. I would say it's like the healthy side of venting where it's the release of pressure. Right. And it's it's more focused on like, here's the challenges I'm facing. Like, and I have, I have asked my senior pastor so many times to champion this and it's just going nowhere. And then to be able to hear other stories of like, well, here's, here's some approaches I've had in the past or those kind of things. I think that's where I think huddles can can be really uh, great environment. So, but then it helps you. What he talks about is when you challenge up, you need to be super clear on your yeah. why. And so again, you need that place to process yep. of like, how do I clarify the why? Because he mentions if your why is fuzzy in your mind, it's only going to be fuzzier with your senior pastor. And so if I need to be clear on the on the why uh, before I challenge up, so that he can get a clear grasp of it yeah. as well. And I find so much, so many times. If this is interesting, how this loops back around too. I find so many times taking that time to figure out the why is so important because so much of my motives can be wrapped up in that. So sometimes the reason mm-hmm. I want something to be done is it's going to make my life easier. It's going to make my numbers better, those kind of things that like, oh, wait, so you just really want this so that you look better, right? As opposed to like, do I want this church to look better? Do I want the kingdom to to win here? So Cool. Let's ask with one last question related to this book. How comfortable are you with the idea of challenging people who lead you? Sometimes I'm probably too comfortable, uh, you know, and so I get on that critical aspect too mm-hmm. quickly, uh, you know, because I, because, you know, and I, I can frame it and I think it's true uh, within my own heart of like, I care deeply about the church and I want the church to flourish and I want new people to be reached in a way that is faithful to the gospel, but also meets where they're at. And so uh, it's easy to be critical. And so that's 
that's where it's like, I can challenge it. I don't know. And I need to do a better job of figuring out how to say it to engage in a fruitful conversation mm-hmm. versus defensive conversation. Yeah. And that's been like, that's, that's where I, like for me, the greatest takeaway from this book is like, okay, how do I have those conversations uh, that are, are more fruitful and helpful, not only for me, but for my senior pastor and for anybody um, that whether I oversee them or whether they're equals, yeah. you know? Yeah. And not that this book really needs more points added to it. You have to learn to allow smoke to rise up because when smoke goes down, it kills, right? So in other words, like mm-hmm. if you're complaining to the people below you about what's going on above you, like you are hurting your own authority. You're undermining theirs. And um, I mean, Clay does talk a lot about how like you have to view this, their authority being from God, which I think is is really good. But there is something in there about when you undermine what your authority is saying to those that are either reporting to you or even those that are at the same level, I, I don't think it's actually helping the situation. And and I learned this from Extreme Ownership, which is another book that we did, I think it was the third episode, is that take the time to, when you're unsure of the orders that you receive, take the time to go hear the why from them and do so in a, a, a positive manner with, with optimism and uh, to tie in another book. So <laughs> Extreme Ownership tells you to you know, clarify with your, uh, with your orders, right? The book never split the difference will teach you how to ask those questions that will allow them to be able to answer it in a non-defensive way. So often you can go into Mm -hmm. it and and try to explain like, Hey, can you tell me why we're doing this? Which then causes them to be on the difference as opposed to saying, Hey, how do you see this initiative affecting X, Y, and Z, right? As a way for them to do that. So cool. Great book. Make sure you pick this up. Let's move on to the lightning round. So Andrew, what's another, I know you're a huge reader. What's another book that you've read recently? recently has had an impact on your leadership? Um, it's one that probably won't be well known to our audience, which I'll pick, which is why I'm going to pick it. It's called Leadership, God's Agency and Disruptions. It's by uh, Branson and okay. Roxburgh. Um, but they talk a lot. They're trying to develop a theology of leadership and then using key points of leadership outside the church and discerning how does that apply to what we know about leadership with from scripture. Um, and so they, they talk about Nehemiah, they talk about Luke, they talk about Acts, they talk about Ephesians and just building a theology of leadership. Um, and really discerning what is God up to and how do we bring people into that midst, which I think has been a great question for me to think through during as during this season and coming out of this past year of, okay, where is God working and what what shifts do we need, do we need to make yeah, in light excellent. of that? Excellent. And uh, what's one book you're looking forward to or you um, might be I'm currently just, in? <laughs> I'm currently in is um, Eugene Peterson's new biography by Wynne Collier. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Fire in My Bones. I'm listening to it as I drive to and from work. Um, the narration is beautiful, mm. so which helps, you know, when you're listening yeah. to a good um, audio book. But I love Eugene. Eugene has shaped my pastoral ministry yeah. and theology in profound ways. And so um, it is a profound book in which I, I think I need to buy the book too, because there are great <laughs> sections where I'm like, I want to remember that, yeah. like, you know, Wynn had ac- full access to, to Eugene's library, to family, to friends, wow. and to even his journals. And so, you know, you get an intimate picture of this man mm-hmm. who who really gives us a model of leadership uh, yeah. that is countercultural. Yeah, and if you, do, if you don't know who Eugene Peterson is, highly recommend the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is just phenomenal. Um, and also a great book in that, like, you can read it at a chapter at a time and 
and you'll be good. Yeah. Andrew, this was great. You know, will you come back again? Obviously, yes. yes anytime. I'm a, I'm a reader. And so I love talking <laughs> about books that I'm reading because I think it just distills the learning down into key takeaways for me awesome. to remember. Well, thanks, Andrew. Well, I'm Nick Lindsay, and I want to thank you for listening with us. Thanks, Andrew, for sharing your experiences. And I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Reading Lens will be back next month with Nick Shanlaw from Third Christian Church in Grand Island, Nebraska. We'll be reading our first Patrick Lencioni book on the show, Silos, Politics, and Turf Wars. And uh, you might have just heard I just said first Patrick Lencioni book because I am sure there are going to be several Patrick Lencioni books that we read. He's one of those guys that just has a huge impact um, on me personally. And and I know others are a huge fan of. Uh, Andrew, do you have any Lencioni books that, that you've really enjoyed? I read The Advantage, Advantage. this past year and loved it of how yeah. um, organizational health trumps everything else. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah, book. we're really big on our church too of um, Ideal Team Player is another one that's just like had a huge impact. So I'm really interested. I haven't actually read this one yet, but um, I was talking with Nick and Nick said this was a really great one. So this is going to be an episode that you don't want to miss. So come back next week for Inside Saddleback. Thanks for joining us. Remember, leaders are readers. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.